What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future passion. Explore paths to careers that will excite and motivate you. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu to find out how to connect to your future. WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. Download the free local news app today. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. With a continued lack of rain and dry vegetation, the risk of wildfires is high in Michigan. Dan Heckman with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources tells us this doesn't happen often. This is pretty remarkable. Again, it's not just that we've got extreme fire danger in a few spots. It's that there's extreme fire danger across the majority of the state. Uh, And if it's not extreme, it's very high. Something of note is there's only two weather stations that are are not in that category or higher. uh, And that would be at the, the tip of the thumb in the lower peninsula and the tip of the Keweenaw Peninsula. Heckman says there's only been a few years where we've seen less rain in May for Grayling and Mayo. Michigan's had 193 wildfires this year, the largest near Grayling over the past several days. It's now 100% contained, but it did burn more than 2,400 acres. Meanwhile, Michigan farmers are hoping for rain soon after a few weeks without it. Jeff Crone is the chair of the Michigan Wheat Program and farms other crops near Owendale and the Thumb. He says the wheat crop is okay so far because they got four inches of rain about a month ago, but other crops are suffering. Our coarse textured soils or our sandier soils they are burning up in a lot of spots. And the heat last week, the 90 degrees, was devastating to those spots. So some of those areas of the field, we've already lost, you know, very, very much of our yield potential in those areas. In West Michigan, the Farm Bureau says crops like wheat, corn, and soybeans could be the most affected by the dry spell. Crone says there's a slight chance of rain this weekend. Holding a cell phone while driving will soon be illegal in Michigan as Governor Gretchen Whitmer has signed legislation making Michigan a hands-free only state. Berrien County Undersheriff Chuck Height tells us the department is ready to begin enforcing the law. We've seen obviously issues with distracted driving and this is just another step closer. Surrounding states have the hands-free law and currently in Michigan it is you can only not text while driving which is hard to enforce because you have to be able to prove the person is actually texting where now it makes it much more clear it's a hands-free while driving. Height says that using a mobile device while driving will be a primary offense, meaning police don't need another reason to pull you over. He believes this will be easier for police to enforce than the old texting ban. The new law takes effect at the end of the month. A fire in Lincoln Township last week is being investigated as an arson. The Lincoln Township Fire Department responded to the fire at 6747 Cleveland Avenue around noon on May 30th. They put out the fire but then had to go back to respond to a second fire about 12 hours later. The department says both fires were set intentionally as an accelerant was found throughout the home. Investigators also found the stove was turned on with books sitting on top. The home was under construction and no one was hurt in the incident. Anyone with information on the fires is asked to contact the Lincoln Township Fire Department. The 11th annual Benton Harbor Peace Walk will be next Wednesday starting at Benton Harbor High School. Benton Harbor Area Schools Board of Education Trustee Elnora Gavin tells us it's a chance for everyone to come together in the spirit of peace just as the school year ends. She says the students are excited. The first time we did it, the students were a little afraid. They didn't know if it would be well-received. But since we started it, it's gotten a lot of positive feedback from the community. Gavin says the walk will begin in the Peace Garden near the flagpole at 9.30, then head over to June Woods Memorial Park, previously known as Broadway Park, after a reading from our side of the river. The walk will be led by the Tiger Marching Band. 
The walk will also kick off what Gavin says is a 90-day peace challenge during which everyone is encouraged to identify one thing about themselves that needs to improve and then to work on it. Everyone's invited to the peace walk or to take the peace challenge. The city of Benton Harbor is the recipient of the Richard M. Daly Water Equity Award from the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Cities Initiative. Benton Harbor Mayor Marcus Mohammed said at a meeting this week he's heading to Chicago to receive the honor tomorrow at the St. Lawrence Cities Initiative's annual general meeting. That I'll be receiving on behalf of the residents in the city of Benton Harbor this Thursday in Chicago, the Architecture Museum from Mayor Daly and the chair of the conference, the Mayor of Milwaukee, Mayor Johnson, along with some benefits that will come with it. The award is intended to provide disadvantaged communities help pursuing federal funds for the removal of lead water lines and the building of water infrastructure. It means they'll get a technical writing and grant writing support and help navigating the process of applying for public funding. Now that Benton Harbor is a recipient, it also becomes a member of the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Cities Initiative. Mohammed said other recipients are East St. Louis and Richmond, Ohio. The Berrien County Suicide Prevention Coalition is making yard signs advertising the new 988 crisis hotline available to anyone who wants to help spread the word. Coalition Vice Chair Trent Watford tells us the hotline launched last year. An effort to promote it began this year, and work still needs to be done. We've found that there's just a lot of people that don't know that the suicide crisis lifeline has been changed to this three-digit number, 988. So we're just trying to get the community to be aware of that number. Watford says the coalition has printed hundreds of yard signs and posters for the 988 hotline. They're hoping to see those items posted in prominent places. We've gotten the signs printed, and then we're using some of the locations of people in our coalition to make the signs available for people to get and to put up. Signs and posters can be picked up at Riverwood, the Berrien County Veterans Services Office, and the Corwell Health Meadowbrook Office, among other places. We'll have a full list of and instructions for doing so at our website. Watford says it's important to spread the word about 988. When someone in any kind of crisis calls, they'll be connected with a trained advisor who can connect them with help. And set for June 17th is the first ever Niles Pride Festival. Organizer Haley Colpitz tells us she helped form the Niles Pride Committee, which is staging the event at Riverfront Park from 7 to 9 p.m. She started thinking about having a Pride event after seeing Buchanan and Three Rivers are holding their own events. They're kind of in similar size and location, and I thought that it was important that we have one in Niles. A lot of the LGBTQ community here now go to St. Joe or South Bend where the community is larger, and, and I feel like as the population here grows, the LGBTQ population is going to grow too, and I feel like this is a good place for that for us to, to meet each other and to find a space where we feel safe with one another. Colpitt says the Niles Pride Festival will feature food trucks, drinks, live music, activities for the kids, and a family-friendly drag show. They're also raising money to screen a movie. Anyone who wants to help with that can make a donation through the festival's Eventbrite page. We'll have a link at our website. The Niles Pride Festival will be free to attend. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. The air quality in the northeast United States is plunging as the air currents carry smoke from Canadian wildfires. 
ABC's Karen Travers has more from the Biden administration, which is monitoring the situation. President Biden was briefed last week on the wildfires in Canada and has been regularly updated since, according to Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. More than 600 U.S. firefighters and personnel and equipment like water bomber aircraft have been sent to Canada to help them battle the wildfires. As for the air quality situation, we encourage everyone in the impacted areas to listen, to listen to their state and local officials. Check in on your neighbors, check in on your your friends and your family. Take precautions, especially if you are, if you have health conditions. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Smoke from Canadian wildfires is pouring into the east U.S. coast and Midwest, covering the capitals of both nations in an unhealthy haze. It's delaying some flights today, sending school recesses indoors, forcing the cancellation of events and prompting people to fish out pandemic-era face masks. Canadian officials have expanded evacuation orders and asked other countries for help fighting more than 400 fire f- fires nationwide. Meanwhile, the air quality in what the U.S. rates as hazardous levels of pollution has extended into central New York, with massive tongues of unhealthy air extending as far as North Carolina and Indiana. It's affecting millions of people. All of the Supreme Court justices, except for two, have released financial records for last year. ABC's Andy Field tells us the statements from Justices Thomas and Alito were missing. It's not clear why Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito's financial disclosures weren't published. Recent revelations showed Justice Thomas had received expensive paid vacations in what appears to be an unusual real estate deal from Republican billionaire donor Harlan Crow. The other justices disclosing their income from book sales, teaching, speeches, and investments. And starting this year, they must all reveal who paid for their free trips, meals, and other hospitality. The Marion County Sheriff's Department says a white Florida woman accused of fatally shooting her black neighbor last week has been arrested. It was a violent culmination of what the sheriff described as a two-and-a-half-year feud. 58-year-old Susan Louise Lawrence was arrested a Tuesday on charges of manslaughter, assault, and more in the death of Ajiki Owens. Authorities came under pressure Tuesday to arrest and charge the white woman who fired through her front door and killed the black neighbor in a case that has put Florida's divisive stand-your-ground law back in the spotlight. Jail records did not list a lawyer who could speak on the suspect's behalf. In a presidential campaign launch event in Fargo, North Dakota, Governor Doug Bargum has announced his bid for the White House. More of maybe he's Ike Giochi in Washington. We need a leader who's clearly focused on three things. Economy, energy, and national security. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum entering an already crowded 2024 Republican presidential primary. Burgum, who was once a tech executive, says the country needs someone who's worked alongside farmers, ranchers, and small business owners, all while presenting a personal story of being a small-town American who made it big. Burgum recently signed a near-total ban on abortion, and he also signed several measures banning gender-affirming health care. Ike Ajachi, ABC News, Washington. Meanwhile, Mike Pence has opened his presidential bid with an unusually forceful denunciation of former President Donald Trump over January 6th, Trump's temperament and abortion. Pence told an audience in the Des Moines, Iowa suburb today, quote, anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. And anyone who asks someone else to put them over the Constitution should never be president again. He also accused Trump of abandoning conservative principles, especially on abortion. Pence is the first vice president in modern history to challenge his former running mate, Trump leads the GOP 2024 presidential field in early polls. Meanwhile, Pence's campaign released an ad today. The Mike Pence campaign ad never mentions his old boss, Donald Trump, but it's clear he thinks he's the better man for the job. Today, our party and our country need a leader that will appeal, as Lincoln said, 
to the better angels of our nature. The Pence ad using lush American heartland images President Reagan used in his two campaigns. The former vice president hoping it stirs enough Trump Republicans to pick the man who refused to discard the electoral votes that gave Joe Biden the presidency. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. And a couple of milestones have been reached as Hollywood still struggles with labor issues. More from Jason Nathanson. With the Writers Guild still on strike now for a month and a week, the Directors Guild is one step closer to a new deal with the same studios and producers the writers are striking against. The DGA's board has now approved the new deal with the AMPTP, which was reached over the weekend, and they did so unanimously. The contract now goes to a vote by the full membership of the DGA. This comes as Wednesday, the Actors Union, sang actress started their contract talks with the studios, both sides agreeing to a media blackout during negotiations. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.